0: of course when you think of these verses i'm sure you've read them many times as a church together Uh, there are many truths that you can take from this passage and you could dwell on them for a long time you have there the first words that we thought of for the love of christ constraineth us and even as i'm going around the deputation meetings i've i've taken that that little phrase and focused in on the christian motive Why would anyone go to Uganda? Why would anyone serve the Lord here in Analong or anywhere else for that matter? Well, here's the motive. The love of Christ constraineth us. You think of the love that Christ has shed abroad in our hearts as believers. And that love that he had for us is reciprocated by a love that we should have then for him. That will then lead us to make that love known to the world, to those for whom Christ has died. This is why we go. This is why we labor in life and ministry it's because the love of Christ constrains us to do so and then you think of the thoughts there it's in verse 19 and there verse 21 as well about imputation and we even have that double imputation there in verse 21 probably one of my favorite verses in all of scripture we have there in on the one hand how that Christ took upon himself the sins of his people not that they were his sins he was the perfect lamb of God but yet they were accredited to his account The one who knew no sin became sin for us what a humbling and precious truth that is and then you have the double side of that not only has he taken our sins but he has placed upon us we are clothed in his righteousness his righteousness has been accredited to our account nothing in us no righteousness of our own but yet christ has taken our place and not only taken our sins but he has Impute it to us, his righteousness. Such great truths that can be found in these verses. And I I trust that as we have read them, um, you've thought about them. The Lord has even spoken through those verses, even as we've read them. But what I want to focus our attention on here for a few minutes tonight is the description of the believer that we find there in verse 20. We find those words describing the believer as ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? Well, we will develop this this description as we go through the course of this message tonight. But quite simply, it is one who has been sent by another to speak on their behalf. That's really it in its simplest definition, I, I guess I could say. And as I said, we'll go further in that throughout this discussion tonight. But the ambassador is really the spokesperson. And we see there in that verse... Um, We are those who speak for Christ. For Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ. Spokespersons. Let's just read verse 19 and 20 just again, just to keep them in our minds fresh. Verse 19, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors for Christ. So just for tonight, for a few moments, we want to unpack that description and think about what this means for us tonight, being ambassadors for Christ. And first of all, while mentioning there the simple definition that we are those who are sent with a message, it may be good just to start in thinking upon the message itself. What is the message that we're sent with? Now you'll see at the beginning of verse 20, the first word there is the word now. And of course that's the same kind of um, thought as the word therefore. So why is it there? Well it's telling us immediately uh, that the thought that is about to come is very much connected to what has already been said. In fact, not only what has already been said, but even what follows. What's the message? What is surrounding these words ambassadors for Christ? Well it's the term reconciliation. That's really the message. It's a message of reconciliation. So then we ask, well, what is reconciliation? Well, in the dictionary, the theological dictionary of terms, Dr. Alan Cairns' book, he has this little statement. that says, reconciliation is the removal of the enmity between God and the sinner. It's the removal of the enmity between God and the sinner. So you think of those who are outside of Christ. Even us believers, what were we when we were outside of Christ? We, we were lost. We were separated from God. We were alienated from him. We were enemies even. We are at enmity against God as unbelievers. So reconciliation then means that all of that enmity has now been removed. We are now at peace with God through this work of reconciliation. He has taken all of that and in place of the enmity. He has given us peace. In James Denny's commentary on Second Corinthians, he put the thought of reconciliation this way. Reconciliation in the New Testament sense is not something which we accomplish when we lay aside our enmity to God. So he's just pointing out this is not to do with us. The work of reconciliation has nothing to do with us. It's not our work. He goes on to say it is something which God accomplished when in the death of Christ he put away everything that on his side meant estrangement. So this is God, it's accomplished by God. You think of that word estrangement, again it's the sense of being alienated and separated from God. So what is reconciliation then? It is simply the gospel. Right? You think of that estrangement, being separated from God and yet God has taken us and brought Him into this relationship with himself, this everlasting covenant. This is not just a truce. A temporary truce between the believer and God that the work of reconciliation is a permanent work it's an instigated by and it's upheld by God himself and therefore it's a great truth to think of now that we can be at peace with a holy God who once we were estranged from who were, we were even at war with as enemies of him you think of Romans 5 and verse 1 it says therefore being justified by faith We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All of these blessings, if you're a believer in here, you think of all the blessings you have of being in Christ, the justification, the peace, the faith, the grace, the hope of God that's mentioned just in those two verses. This all comes about as a result of God's work of reconciliation bringing him onto himself in fact just last week I was sharing some thoughts with others about the peace that we experience as God's people and it's such an amazing thought to know that we have this peace again we didn't deserve to be brought into this position but yet we have it we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and as I was thinking about that peace my mind was directed towards the book of John and those mentions from Christ himself about peace that he gives. If you turn to John chapter 14, please. If you just take some verses through John, just to think of this peace that we have. Of course, the question has to be asked, what is peace? We've talked about it a lot, but have you ever thought to yourself, what is peace? Well, very often, peace is best described by what it's opposite to. And of course, peace is the absence of conflict. It's the absence of war. But also, it's the absence of fear. You think there might be peace in the land, but your conscience may be in turmoil, there might be anxieties, there might be fears. Peace is also the absence of that fear. And so it's the absence of conflict, the absence of fear. John chapter 14, verse 27. It says there, these are the words of Christ, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So, of course, here Christ is speaking, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. He's making known to his disciples, Yes, I am leaving you, but I am leaving you with peace. And it's the Holy Spirit that will indwell the lives of his people. But then, chapter 16 and verse 33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So now you can see there. Of course Christ is not hiding the fact that in the world you shall have tribulation. I mean it's the same for the unbeliever and for the believer alike. There's going to be times of sorrow, times of trouble. And even especially for the believer as they face persecution and so on. It's coming. But yet that's what the world has to offer. Look what Christ has to offer in that verse. In me you might have peace. A peace that's not of this world. You know when you think about it. Everyone wants peace. I would say every one of us in here desires after peace. But this is here's a peace that the world cannot offer. You think of times of trouble that comes. You think of you think of times of tribulation. What has the world got to offer you in those moments? Just words maybe at best of times. But yet Christ gives peace in those moments. Turn over to John chapter 20. Here we have of course Christ has been crucified. And the disciples are meeting in the house. And it says in verse 19. Then the same day at evening. Being the first day of the week. When the doors were shut. Where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst. And said unto them. Peace be unto you. And when he had said so. He showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad. When they saw the Lord. So remember Jesus Christ had told The disciples. I'm leaving you peace. Christ has been crucified and you put yourself in the disciples' shoes here. uh, You see them in fear. Maybe they're thinking to themselves, where's the peace? They're there in that house. They're in fear. But look at the contrast between verse 19 and verse 20. Christ interjects and he says, peace be unto you. And verse 20, then were the disciples glad. Where did the gladness come from? It was a fresh view of Christ. You know, even as believers, how often it is when things come across our paths and we might have that human response. Why? Why do things happen? These disciples were no doubt asking that same question. But Christ comes. Uh, That verse of that hymn always comes to my mind. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The disciples had that experience. And what did it bring them? It was joy because the person of Christ was in their midst. Peace be unto you. Acts chapter 10, just one final reference as we think of this progression. Acts chapter 10 and the verse 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. So we think of the gospel message, of course that's what the the apostles went around preaching, but here it's called preaching the peace by Jesus Christ. But I find those little words that come next in the brackets key to this whole thought of the believer's peace, where it says, he is Lord of all. So there I think, there's the key for the believer. We're not trusting in one who saves us, gives us peace for a moment, but we trust in the one who never leaves us or forsakes us. And beyond that, he is in control. He is sovereign, the Lord, Lord over all. It's really the thoughts of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. The thoughts I have or think towards you, saith the Lord, are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. This is what it is to be saved here tonight. To know and have experienced true peace that passeth all understanding through every circumstance of life. And whatever you've come in here with tonight, even if you're a believer, I trust that even that thought of peace will encourage you tonight as you leave the doors. Know that you go with that jesus christ with you and even understanding here tonight in the church setting there's going to be those no doubt in this gathering who have never experienced the peace that i've been thinking about you're maybe in the world and you know you've been trying to find that peace because i know you want it because everyone does but yet you cannot find that peace well tonight even even though this is a deputation meeting i want to the point is really to point you to where you find that peace And it's in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one who can reconcile you to God. Why is there no peace in your conscience, in your heart? It's because there's a war, there's a battle. The Holy Spirit is making you aware of sin, maybe. You're looking for peace, you don't know where to turn. Christ is the answer. He is the one who offers this gospel of peace. Later we'll be thinking about the gospel going to Uganda. And of course we desire that you pray for that. But here in Long, the gospel This gospel of reconciliation needs to be preached as well. So, this is the universal message that we are sent with as ambassadors. We preach Christ crucified. It has always been the same message. You can see that throughout Scripture. We go with the same message that has always been Christ, our peace. But with that recognition, now I want to think a bit further about what it is to be an ambassador. What really is it, or what does it mean to be an ambassador? Well, can I just say right away, the work of an ambassador is not an easy task, and it's not for everyone. This work of an ambassador. Now, under the thought of what an ambassador is, I want to think of it under two headings. And first of all, that it is a possession of privilege and power. It's a possession of privilege and power. In secular secular terms, an ambassador has a very important job to do. And again, it's not for everyone. It is a privileged possession. I read a statement online while I was studying for this, it's from the Vienna Convention in 1961. I am sure that means just as much to you as it did to me when I read it. But this is the Vienna Convention and they say according to it, that ambassadors are diplomats of the highest rank, formally representing their head of state with plenipotentiary powers. Now you think of the description there, they're of the highest rank, so there's the privilege, they're formally representing their head of state with plenipotentiary powers. Now, plenipotentiary powers, just by the way, um, just simply means that the ambassador carries the diplomatic power to make independent decisions. But it's always in accordance to the power that has sent them. He always has to answer to that power. So that's what we understand an ambassador to be today, even in secular terms. It is this possession of privilege and power. You're invested with the power of the one who has sent you with the message. Now translate translate that into our position here of believers being ambassadors for Christ. And it's the same truth. We are in this position. And it's not just for anyone. It is especially for those who have experienced the reconciliation. You have to first and foremost have experienced what this work is before you go with the message. So it's not for everyone. It's for the believer but the important thing for us here tonight to understand is that while this is a possession of privilege and power, even for the believer, we do not go or get into such a position or operate within such a position with a power that comes from within us, it comes from without. We go under the power and authority of another. and That is what is key to the success of any ambassador for Christ. If missions is going to be a success, if the work of God is going to be a success here, we need ambassadors to go out under the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit through Christ. So you understand the privilege and the power that comes with being an ambassador, but it's not from us. It's from the authority of Christ. And bringing it right back to the purpose of being here tonight, this being a mission deputation meeting. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Of course, immediately as I say in Matthew chapter 28, you'll know why I'm turning there. There's the Great Commission at the end of the chapter in verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, of course, here we have the commission. And if I was to ask you, what's the great commission? No doubt, well, at least I would answer, go ye therefore. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. There's the great command. But never forget the verses that surround that commission. You see here, Jesus Christ, he sets him up, himself up as the head. He says, all power is given unto me. He makes that very clear before he ever gives the commission. I am the one with the power and authority. Go therefore, and after he gives that command, he says, and lo, I am with you always. So Christ, again, he's setting himself up as the head, as the king, the one who has all power and authority. And then he sends his people out under that power. So, what a liberating thing that is. I mean, at least it's liberating for me. As I go and preach, if, as I go maybe on outreach and things, what a liberating thought it is that I go under the power of another. It's not to do with my strength, it's the power of another. The task at hand is really too great for any of us. We're talking about making a difference with the souls of men. We can't do it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to go with the power of Christ. If any of you are involved in, in outreach in this church, maybe you, I don't know, you hand out tracts, you go on the door, something like that. Or maybe just even speaking a word to your colleagues at school or university or uh, maybe even even more difficult to a family member. You know how daunting a task that can be, just to speak that word. You're an ambassador, you recognize that, you, you have a message, but it can be daunting. Now, for me to stand up here tonight, there's a a bit of safety in this. I come to people who probably are mostly my brothers and sisters in Christ. So there's safety in that. There's safety in the fact that I have my notes here. I've prepared for this. And if I get stuck, I can look at my notes. There's safety. But I find whenever you get out there on the streets and you start knocking on the doors, that's when the butterflies really start to kick in. That's when those nervous anticipations come in because you do not know what's on the other side of that door. What's my point with that? Well, what brings us comfort in those moments? What brings us confidence even as we seek to do those kind of things? It is that you are sent with one who has all authority and power and you're sent with a message that is the power of God unto salvation and we are simply just to speak it. We are messengers of that message. So we simply go with the message that we have been given. And that to me is liberating. We're not out there to win debates or to make the gospel sound any more attractive or to make the gospel powerful. The gospel itself has an intrinsic power with it. We simply need to speak it. Understand we go under the power of another and that we have this powerful message of the gospel at our side. So this is the position of an ambassador. It's a privileged one. Christ has called us into a privileged position to speak for him. It also carries power with it, but it's not our own. It's his. But notice finally as we think about this position of ambassador. It is a position of responsibility. It carries huge responsibility. We've thought of the Great Commission. We've thought about fact that in our text in 2 Corinthians 5.19-20 we're, we're called to be ambassadors, we're called to go. But with such commands given, it then puts on us the great responsibility to obey. We've been given the command, but we must obey, we must do. I thought about that and I thought of the example, you know, if you thought of a king, just a secular king, and he, he, he appointed a An ambassador, and he gave that ambassador a very important message. It was maybe a message to go to another nation uh, to avoid or deter war. So it's an important message he sent with. And so he gives that ambassador maybe a few days to get there, a few days to relate the message, and calls him up and asks him, "Well, well, how's it going? How did he take the message? Can you imagine if that ambassador replied, well, actually, I'm just sitting at home here with the feet up watching YouTube or watching Coronation Street, something like that. You imagine the response of the king, given such an important message and yet done nothing with it. You know, that may not happen in the secular sense, but in the spiritual, it just might. We've been given this great position. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. We're at peace with God. We've thought about the, the grace that that is. We were enemies, now we're at peace. This ministry of reconciliation that we've experienced has been given to us to go and tell others of the peace of God that passeth all understanding. To go therefore, and yet we have to ask ourselves, what have we done with the message? I mean, That comes to me as a great challenge, but we have to make this practical. How are we doing with this great role of being ambassadors for Christ? I guess this is really where the rubber meets the road in this study. I trust that God will give us the help and grace and courage to just search out our own hearts in this. If you're saved, that salvation was not just meant to stop at you as an individual. It was always to go beyond yourself, to make the love that Christ has shed abroad in your heart known to those around you. You have a great message to tell. I trust that we're doing all we can. We have this great responsibility to tell it. But not only that, there's one more thing that we want to pick up on, and that is responsibility to get to know the message to a greater degree. Get to know the message. An ambassador goes with a message. We've said that much. I've said that a lot. He is a communicator, and we communicate with words. And we in no way want to miscommunicate the message that we've been sent with. So how do we get to know the message to a greater degree? Well, there's really no shortcut to this either. It's just study. It's time. It's getting into the Word. That's how we get to know the message of Christ. And funny, I was speaking to someone just in the past week, and I was explaining some things to them through the Scriptures. And as I did so, they they bemoaned the fact to me that, you know, they they can't study Scripture, and they don't know Scripture uh, maybe as they should. But I had to say to them for their encouragement, you know, there's only one difference between myself and you it's just the time spent in study you know I've had the privilege to go to Bible college more more than one as you'll see in a moment's time so my life has really become a life of study and so it should be as a minister of the gospel but of course I still have the responsibility to get to know this message better and so time must be spent in the study but it's the same for all of us I understand that those who work are in employment and things, they don't have the time that maybe I do to spend on this. But yet the encouragement is here, the responsibility is here. Get to know the message. If we're to be ambassadors, we need to know the message that we're sent out with. We have in our hands here every opportunity we need to get to know this message. But It's going to take work and I recognise that. But the encouragement is just to put the work in. I don't know why, but my My mind seemed to go back to my school days whenever I thought of this um, thought and back to the days, you know, whenever you got your report cards from school and it got to be at the end of my primary school days, I I could nearly write the rest of my report cards for my teachers because they always said the same thing. David shows great potential if he would just settle himself. Always the same. I'm sure many of you had the same report cards at school. Potential? If he would just settle himself. What my teachers were really trying to get across to my parents and to me is David can do this, he can learn it if he would just put the work in, just settle himself to do it. And I find that true for so many believers as well. Myself included. So much potential amongst God's people to build up the church, to see the gospel, the message going out. So much potential. If we could just settle ourselves to get to know Christ. Life gets busy, I understand that. But we are encouraged, let not the affairs of this life entangle you. Be about getting to know the message. You know, if potential stays at potential, it doesn't get very far. It needs to get beyond the potential and see that potential realized. And all the potential is there. Just get to know it. And may God just make us great ambassadors for him who go with the communication, the pure communication of the gospel. Those who have seen the responsibility, not only heard the commands, but have the responsibility to obey it. And they do. And they go with the message at hand. So I trust there's been something to encourage you and even to challenge you here tonight. I know it challenges me as I think of the privileged position that God has put me in. I understand to be called to the mission field is a privileged position. Yet the responsibility—such a responsibility. So I would pray, or ask you to pray. This is the first prayer request. You'll get a whole lot more upstairs. But you'll see that, as I've said, I've been to college, I've been to the mission field. But I always like to remind people: if that's all I go with—the experience of that—then I'm not going to last. What I need to go with is an understanding of the role that Christ has called us to, called me to, as an ambassador for Him such a responsibility and may we go as we've just read with the motivation of the love of Christ constraining us pray that that would be the case for us and even for yourselves here tonight